This is episode one of the For the Love of Data podcast. I'm your host, Robert Furr. Thanks for joining me where we're going to learn about the data of church with Glenn Breckner, who's the executive director at Chase Oaks Church here in Dallas. Chase Oaks is one of the top 20 largest churches in the Dallas Metroplex, and it's also one of the top 20th percentile mega churches in the U.S. overall. We had a great conversation where I learned about things they track on a weekly basis, how they track engagement by their members across their different events and across their different campuses, and how they actually try to proactively reach out to members of their congregation when positive or negative events may be happening in their lives. You'll learn a little bit about how they track donations. You'll hear about some of the surprising insights that they had and some of the things that they wish they could do better. So please take a listen Feel free to leave comments at ForTheLoveOfData.com. You can also see show notes there. And please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and follow us on Twitter. Here we go, the data of church. All right, on this episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking about the data of church. And I'm really excited to be talking here with Glenn Breckner, who's the executive director and uh, campus pastor at uh, Chase Oaks Church. So, Glenn, I'll let you start off and just tell me a little bit about uh, you know how you got your start and where you how you got to this point, and also tell me how you sort of got the lucky or unlucky title of data guy for Chase Oaks. Yeah, thanks for having me, Robert. It's, it's good to be with you. And uh, yeah, part of my story in terms of how I got into ministry is I, I didn't start in ministry. I started in the business world, and so had a undergrad in business and engineering, and so probably I'm a little more analytical than most. Uh, most pastors on our staff, and uh, as I got into doing ministry, uh, we started tracking things in the ministries that I was leading and found it to be helpful. So that's kind of evolved over time into some some all-church tracking and metrics because we found that the data does tell a story. Um, it tells individual stories and also the story of a church, so it's important to, it's important to track those things. So tell me a little bit about how how you guys have tracked things over time. I mean, I'm sure, how long have you been with Chase Oaks? Uh, 18 years. Okay, yeah, so I'm sure it didn't start off with, you know, a lot of data from websites and things like that. You know, were you guys tracking on pen and paper originally, or like how did... Yeah, Excel spreadsheets were pretty much what we tracked on, and, oh, and honestly, okay. it's it's been pretty helpful still, but yeah, there weren't the tools back in the day to um, do a lot of the analytical work, so it was, um, yeah, it was more just on counting heads and doing it pretty manually really so that was that was the way we did it and we were smaller so we were able to do that now right. at, at the size we're at now it's it's really hard to do a lot of manual things so try to automate as much of that as we can so the people that are joining us have sort of a baseline tell me a little bit about you know the, the structure of your church the number of campuses number of people that kind of thing yeah currently chase oaks uh, we probably are a church of about seven thousand people we have uh, probably 6,000 on a weekend kind of a thing, uh, all in with kids and students. Uh, we have three campuses right now, and our, our hope is to uh, launch another campus uh, probably early January 17 and, and continue to do the campus model, So, um, so it, which made data tracking even a little bit more complicated. Now you have people at different campuses right. and not sure where they're at all the time and those kinds of things, so it's, it's added a level of complexity. To the process for sure. Yeah, I would definitely like. That's one of the things that I specifically specifically want to talk about and learn how you guys do. So, um, one of the things that I'm curious about is 
outside of a retail store like a Walmart or a Target, I think of churches as one of the places that has one of the most consistent bases of attendance over time. And so I feel like that gives you guys some unique opportunities and also probably some consistent donors as well. Um, so I'm just curious how you, how you look at that steady stream of data, like what opportunities you see there, um, what you try to do to keep track of it, because you know once you miss it, it's gone. So you can't go back and estimate right. the, the people that came to a service three weeks ago or something right. like that. Yeah. Yeah, we, we kind of track different things at, in different frequencies, I guess. So obviously we have our weekly numbers, which are giving numbers, attendance numbers at the adult level, at the student level, at the kids level. Um, and then we have more quarterly numbers in terms of guest numbers, um, people who have gotten connected beyond the Sunday service. Uh, and then we have yearly numbers and, and goals as well. And so we, we have a lot of different levels of data, but we do. We have... Uh, we have a pretty consistent group of people and and again I, I think with that you can you can kind of see stories with the data as you track it um, right. kind of broad narrative stories but also individual personal stories for instance on the giving side of things a lot of times giving is a leading indicator if, if, if giving is, is trending down that might be a leading indicator in someone's path that you know what something's not quite right, something's going on in their life, or something's going on with their experience with the church, and that helps us um, meet with that person, interact with that person uh, before, um, maybe before we would have been, in, or known anything else going on. So okay. um, we try to look at data, and, and churches can be a little bit weird about data. It's like, hey, it's about people, not numbers, right. and, and, and it is, yeah. but, but the numbers tell a story, and that story helps us uh, care for people better, and so that's kind of the way we try to frame that. Yeah. So so you'll actually be proactive if you if you see someone that has a consistent history and then something changes in that, you'll actually reach out to them. Yeah. Positive warning. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So yeah, if we see any kind of upticks or 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 ticks downward, uh, it gives us an opportunity just to interact with somebody and, and make that a not just a number but a relationship. And right. so yeah, so it's helpful. That's interesting. So on a on a membership basis I mean, you don't see people with like record counters as you're walking through a door counting. So how do you guys track guests and, and members? Yeah. Well, week, weekly attendance, we actually do count heads. You and do so have you, we have that. people counting heads. Yeah, they, they've heads been sneaky. And, yeah, I haven't seen and, that. And uh, they're in different sections. of, the, And so they count a section. So they're, okay. it, and, and that all gets added up and, and brought to the church on Monday morning. Um, so I need to go in one entrance and go out another and come back and forth a few times, right? <laughs> They'll just count pretty much after worship once the message starts, kind of everyone's settled. That's when we okay. kind of do our count. Okay. So, um, and that's the manual part on the adult side. Students and kids, they all check in during, with our database, and so those check-in systems automatically count the numbers in right. terms of who's in what classes, those kinds of things. And then, uh, then Monday morning we do um, all the finances and those kinds of things that count on Monday, and all the online giving, all those kinds of things too. So yeah, there's still a we haven't figured out how to automate it in terms of attendance outside of turnstiles or. Um, <laughs> taking pictures and counting heads, but we just have our first impressions team still counts people in seats, which, okay. which is pretty accurate, so yeah. it's been a good thing to do. This is a, kind of random, but it, it, I feel like it's similar. I, I talked to some people from Dallas Area Rapid, Rapid Transit, which for people that are joining us on the podcast that don't know, that's the train system around uh, DFW, and they, uh, they have a really big challenge because they don't get any of those metrics when somebody gets on, gets off, where they're doing that. So they're trying to figure out ways to do that. So it seems like they have kind of 
a similar Yeah, we have a hard time tracking adult um, individual patterns in terms of, hey, were they here this week, last week? How many times did they come? Because right. we just count an overall number. Right. If they have children, it's a lot easier to track because their kids check in so we can follow patterns that way. Right. But just from a, an adult attendance perspective, we can count overall numbers, but it's it's hard to track individual um, frequency kind of things. So that's a, that's a tricky one. So I'm curious, when you're looking at overall numbers to see the trend, like if you're growing or not, how do you normalize for the typical churn that that you would see because you know like holidays like July 4th and Thanksgiving obviously that has a big impact before and after so how do you normalize to see if your dip is is just because of the holiday season or something like that yeah uh, your trend I mean if you do it long enough so you have trends over I mean I can I can tell you pretty close if, if this is going to be a high weekend or a low weekend yeah. um, um, based on school schedule the school calendar is a big driver of attendance and so um, there's definitely a, a, a spike early year, January, February, then it, it wanes until about Easter, then a little bit of a spike, and then summer's down, and then it jumps back up in the fall. So you definitely see a pattern of that. And, and what helps us is just being able to capture data over a long period of time and, and looking backwards in terms of, okay, last year this was our trend. Are we, are we, is this a different trend this year or not? And, uh, and that gives us an indicator of, of of growth or you know what this is just a seasonal thing that we're just a little bit down kind of a thing so I'm sure weather has a has an effect too so tell me a little it does. bit I know bad weather probably obviously does because if it's really rainy a lot of people might might just uh, tune in online or something like right. that but what about that and also a really beautiful day do you yeah, see you do dips you there? see yeah you see dips on both sides of things and uh, the best day is kind of a cloudy gray day where maybe it rained the day before and all the sports get canceled kind of a thing. So, um, uh, but yeah, you do, it, there's a lot of factors and um, we're not in competition with things, but people have a lot of things to, to choose from in terms of where they spend their time and hopefully right. they've made church priority because it's super important. But, um, but there are a lot of other things that uh, uh, select sports here in Dallas is such a strong pull that, mm -hmm. that for families... There are sports all weekend, and so that we can right. see that is also a, a thing that uh, affects attendance for sure. So, okay, so we've talked a little bit about some of the metrics. So I know you guys you track attendance weekly, um, but tell me some of the specific metrics you track, and maybe leading into the donation side of things, like do you track frequency of donations, amount per person, do you kind of amount per demographic, or anything like that, and then do you also track um, sort of an involvement engagement, mm -hmm. like how, and, and it might be difficult because you can't really map a specific person, or can you, to like a life group and to events that they attend other than the weekly service. Yeah, we can. We can, uh, again, we can't connect them to the weekly service if they were there on Sunday, but we definitely track, uh, we, we try to track their path and their journey. And so obviously we have our number on the weekend, that Sunday number. Um, we track guests uh, every week and um, those are a little bit harder to, to track as well because they have to tell us that they're there, but we have guest cards. Um, again, we get kids guests and student guests uh, because of, of them having to sign in. So we get most of our guests that way, knowing that their families were there. Um, and then we track if they go to our, our kind of our first step, which is we call starting point, which is kind of a, hey, we'd like to check this place out. Um, and so we track that and then we track their journey in terms of getting into a group or getting into a team. 
and, and their record in our database will have all that on there. So I could pull okay. up a person and kind of see their journey. And, okay, hey, they, so you they do went sort to this, they went to that. We do have a profile for people, and there's an opportunity for our pastors to put notes in their profiles and stuff as well. So if we're sharing that information, we, hey, you know what, they, they attended this or they led this. And, uh, um, and so some of our bigger numbers, obviously the regular ones of attendance and, and giving, uh, but number of people in groups, number of people leading, number of people serving, uh, number of guests attending, those are all big numbers that um, we look at on a very regular basis. Our executive team looks at that quarterly, all those numbers, and just, again, tries to see trends. We try to look at those things as well for kids and students. Uh, those are big priorities for us, and, and we'll look at those numbers too. Um, on the giving side, we, we do track a lot on the giving side. We track uh, new givers. We track... Um, those who we call lapsed giver, so they, they were giving and now they're not. Um, uh, we track um, kind of a per person average giving and, um, and it, we don't track the frequency of gifts as much because a lot of different people give in a lot of different patterns. And so uh, the lapsed giver thing helps us identify maybe some, some things that hey, they were giving and now they're not. Um, and thankfully now there's some good analytical tools out there that help us with all that. We have something called a, Mortarstone, which is a, a financial analytic that we are using that we can put our data in and it gives us, we can cut and paste and slice and dice it in lots of different ways, which is really helpful. Okay. Um, also per campus, we look at that as well on the giving side, which is, uh, uh, which is important because our campuses, we want them to be um, self-sufficient in terms of financially stable and so that right. helps us know how those are going as well. Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, so you mentioned a little bit about being hard to track regular donations because frequency is so different. Um, but do you sort of see if, like, if somebody's been making weekly donations, your tool Mortarstone tells you if they haven't made one in a month that that's lapsed, and then if they're annual and they haven't given one this year, like it's able to. They do. They, they can. They try to track the patterns, and so. Um, and we have, there's something called a backdoor giving. So it's like, hey, their giving has gone down. Um, and so here's a group of people that year over year their giving is, is considerably less than what it has been in the past. That might be something you want to look at. Okay. Something might have gone on in their life. Um, and then you also have front door giving. Like, hey, these are new people. Or this is giving that is trending upward. Um, and then most people are somewhere in the middle of that, that they're just very consistent, generous people who um, have made it a priority and it doesn't change all that much. But... Uh, uh, so we track all those things, um, and again, for the sake of one, being good stewards as a church and knowing what resources we have available so we can manage that well, but also um, people's generosity is an indicator of, of growth and also something in their story, and we want to we pastor people well in that too. Right. So. so do you track any kind of donations by demographic group or anything like that, like donations from men versus women or 18 to 24 year olds? Yeah, good question. Republican um, versus Democrat. We're not going to go there. We're not going to go there. Um, we don't. Uh, we, we, we can track it per service because we know when things come in, but so much now comes in online mm-hmm. uh, that it's, it's a little harder to track that. And so, uh, and we don't have, we have demographic information. I guess we could do that. Uh, we, it's probably not as clean as I'd like it to be, but... Um, but we haven't tracked that in the, in the yeah. past. We do track history, like, hey, if you've been new first five years versus you've been here for 10 years, there's definitely some patterns there in terms of, of giving patterns, but um, we haven't done a lot of demographic data. One thing we have done, which is a little bit on the, um, again, the, the tricky part is, is, is we can track these 
these numbers that are more quantitative, you can count them. Um, we've tried to figure out how to do some qualitative stuff, like, hey, how, how are things working um, mm -hmm. and, and tracking that? So once a year, we do an all-church survey that um, we try to track not just um, numbers, but, hey, my experience has helped me uh, deepen my walk with God, or my experience has helped me engage in relationship at a deeper level. We, we have about 20 questions we ask um, our congregation to fill out, and we get about 2,500 responses from that. And so that, uh, that really helps us on the qualitative side, not just to, just to count the numbers, but to say, hey, in those numbers are, is what we're doing working in terms of, of helping people um, move and, and deepen their relationship. And so those are really helpful numbers. And again, we just, we look, um, and we do do a lot of cutting and slicing of that. We get yeah. some demographic information there as well in terms of diversity of um, ethnicity and age and uh, where they live and all those kinds of things and how long they've been at the church. And you definitely see some really interesting patterns with that. Right. So. And that's, uh, if I remember right, that's an anonymous survey. It right? is an anonymous so. survey. Yeah, we can't really tie that to, um, giving or if we ask someone, hey, are you in a group? And so we'll know, right. hey, if you're in a group, it changes your experience dramatically. We don't know individually who that is. So yeah, it's more of an all-church pattern. So I'm gonna ask you to, to noodle on something. So uh, it would be, I see like it would be a, a pretty significant challenge to try to take the profiles that you have on people based on their activity and map it to donations. Because even if you're giving like via a, a paper check, you know, that could be a joint check uh, between a husband and wife so right. how if you were going to go down that path of trying to attract that to people to get a more complete profile what are some ways that you think you could do that I mean even credit cards like I know my wife and I we have one credit card with both of our names on two different cards so right. uh, or you yeah know, would you be, attribute it to like would family be the lowest yeah we, we kind of have a, a kind of one of our Categories is a family unit that we look okay. at. That we look at family units. We look at individuals as well. But but in the in the database, your that family's all kind of connected, and so that's a that is a hard one to uh, to peel off if, if you are married. If you're single, that's obviously a little bit easier. But right. um, if you're a married unit, um, we kind of just we lump you together in most of our things. And I'm not sure how we would do that. We could do it demographically for sure in terms of age and. Um, those kinds of things are involvement levels, but it would be hard to, to individually isolate a person in a, in a relationship, yeah. so in a marriage. So. I think you would almost have to take the percentage of your profiles that you can connect and the percentage of your payments that you can connect and use that to extrapolate out over the whole sure. group, but yeah. then there will, it'll kind of fraught with peril. There. We do see patterns though in terms of, especially on the giving side, in terms of the the relationship of someone's involvement in the church and their generosity are in such strong correlation that uh, if you lead here at Chase Oaks, you just have a high level of ownership and, mm -hmm. and this is your church. It's a work of the people, not a work of a staff. And so um, you see really much higher levels of giving in our leadership level than you would uh, someone who's been here for a year or so and just not quite involved yet. So yeah, we can, is there, can see that. Is there any kind of correlation between frequency of giving and involvement? Are people that are more involved, do they give weekly or do they give annually? Is there anything? Yeah, honestly, uh, it, it might be a little bit different than that. Uh, I, I, I don't know specifically. I don't, I don't think there's a, a the frequency thing. In, in terms of some of the larger donors, 
given bigger chunks because they're they're working some financial right. scenarios and so they might right. do a year-end giving is a large uh, a, a time where a lot of giving comes in where people are looking at taxes and, right. and reconciling all their finances and so not everyone does it on that weekly or bi-weekly every check kind of a thing um, and some again if they've been here for a while we can we can see that in terms of oh, their they give twice a year in, in substantial amounts or, or what, but um, uh, yeah, it's just, it's kind of different. It's, it's, I've learned or been surprised by the patterns of people. You would think it'd be a, a very consistent, hey, everyone just gives when they come and right. patterns are pretty different than that and uh, more varied than I thought they would be when we started looking at them. So, so a couple more questions and then we'll move on to yeah. other stuff than just the money. But uh, one other thing I'm curious about is, uh, so in the service, we, we do an offering uh, every service, and we we do pass around uh, you know bowls where people can donate. Um, how over over time, how has that changed as a percentage of donations versus online? Yeah, it continues to to go down. Um, actually, at our Sloan Creek campus, we don't we don't pass baskets. We I, just I was going to ask, is there? Yeah. Do you ever see a day where you're yeah, we have boxes in the back, and so people okay. and and we'll talk about them regularly and. And, and trying to encourage to get people to give online. Uh, one, it's still a worshipful thing to do, but uh, it's just so much. One, it's easier. It's it's repeatable. It it, it kind of helps us plan a little bit better, mm -hmm. and and it's consistent where people aren't. Oh, I forgot to do this, or I forgot to do that. The basket thing. Um, again, some people like tangibly just physically doing that during right. the the weekend experience. Um, some people look at the basket and like, man, there's not much in there kind of thing. Right. And it kind of creates a different sense in them. So uh, I think over time and, and what I've seen, um, it, that is this still by far the most common practice, but it is shifting. Like our online giving is pretty much, um, it, it's, it's leaning toward half of our giving now is online, okay. which is significant. And wow. five years ago, that wouldn't have been any I actually would have thought that, it was so. even higher than that. Yeah, and I would have thought it would be too, um, which... Um, again, it, it, it's moving in that direction, but um, yeah, some of that's generational as well in terms of who gives right. and, and how they give, but um, but it's going that direction for sure. So do you foresee a day that the baskets will stop and it'll be all electronic? You know what? I um, I don't know if it'll be all electronic. It, there might be opportunities where you can you can physically give, but it might not be a pass system kind of a thing. Where hey, there's there's giving stations or wherever that you can give if you want to give right now and you want to write a check or give cash. Right. Uh, but we do see obviously setting up a, a reoccurring payment kind of a thing or donation is a mm -hmm. is a trend. And then the texting give texting yeah. to give those kinds of things are trends. And we just put in a new system that actually allows us to do that over this year in terms of the text to give, those kinds That's of good. things. So um, so tell me what the uh, what is the most surprising insight you found from all the data that you've collected? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, Maybe something that you, you thought it was going to be one way, but when you looked at the data it was completely different or yeah. something you uncovered that you didn't realize you would be able to see? Yeah, I think... I think the pattern thing in terms of how, how cultural, just things going on in life uh, affect people's decisions are, is a surprise how, how strong a, uh, an influence that is. Um, I think the frequency that people come to church, um, and again we have a hard time tracking that on the adult side, we can track it on the kids side. Um, people come physically to church a lot less than they would say they do, um, or we would think they would. We probably get 
I, I think I just read a stat last week that uh, the average church go kind of a, a person that's committed uh, comes a little over two times a month so they come about half the time and when you when you think about that in terms of how we communicate uh, what we communicate how frequently we communicate things realizing that you probably have half your people there that week that's hearing that that's a that shapes the way we um, do announcements shapes the way some of our messages are today. And, and that's kind of surprising because I think I think most of us would think, yeah, 75% of our people are here kind of right. thing, and it's probably more close to half. Hmm. Um, yeah, I never, so I, I I had a question I wanted to ask about how your data impacts your communication with members, but I never thought about how you would have to structure the same communication over and over over the course of time to make sure that you, you kind of blanket the, the entire... Right, cause, and, and people, again, if it's something important, they want to hear it. We want to share it multiple times, or they're only there half the time. And so, um, and typically, the people who are less frequent are those who are really trying to kind of get. They're probably less informed than the, those who are there often. And right. so, how do we do that communication? Um, again, online communication things are so it's always available. If people want to know something that it's available. It's important, but there's still a a power of sharing it from the platform, kind of a thing. Right. That, um, now that if anything's super important, we try to communicate it at least two or three times in a row just to make sure we hit everybody or we'll send out an all-church uh, communication. But again, we try to be real careful with those. You can just start inundating people with those and it becomes white noise. Right. So, so we're careful with those. So uh, tell me a little bit about how you manage data across your campuses. And so, so everybody knows you've got um, the main campus in Plano, You've got, you'll probably be better at talking about this, but you've got one in Fairview, uh, you've got one in Wiley, you've got one in East Plano, right. and you've got the online live stream. Right. I miss any of them there? No, that's right. Yep, those are five. And, and so there's, there's five of them. East Plano is kind of transitioning a little bit where it's going to be a venue on the campus of the Legacy Campus, but, okay. but we're still going to track information and data okay. from them. But uh, yeah, it's tricky. I, I think the trickier part, I, again, attendance is, is not that hard to do because we have a, a process in place and giving's not that hard to do. We have a good process in place weekly. Um, the, the, the trickier part is when you get, hey, who's on a team, who's in a group, because we're really relying on a lot of leaders and a lot of people to give us accurate information. And, um, and that's not typically what people who are leading a life group or leading a ministry team um, signed up to do is to, right. to track hey, who's on my team, who's off my team, who's and so, especially when you're asking volunteers to do that. And so uh, the accuracy of our involvement data, is it's pretty accurate, but um, it's probably 95% accurate, but there's that 5% that you'd really like for it to be accurate in terms of, um, and, and one of the things that we'd like to do better is kind of that, the back end of the data, like if someone is leaving a team or someone is, uh, stepping out of a group we don't get that information quick enough to really respond to those things and and, and trying to figure out how to do that when you have close to 200 groups and right 15 18 probably 3,000 people on ministry teams and, and trying to keep that information accurate um, mm -hmm. at a frequency that we feel good about it is hard to do because there, there's things changing weekly easily daily probably and uh, um, and how do we do that how do we automate that and how do we instill that value in group leaders, team leaders, to make sure we have accurate information? Because it does affect what people get in terms of 
communication and invitations right. and those kinds of things. So yeah, attrition um, was something else I specifically wanted to ask about because you know there's attrition in overall membership and like you said in all of the all of the leadership and, and group things. So do you do you just periodically ask the the groups for their information and you sort of deduce the people that that aren't there or due to attrition? Yeah, we do. We ask groups and teams. So if you're on a ministry team, which is more of a, hey, we are serving to make something happen here at Chase Oaks, or if you're in a life group, kind of a community group, uh, we ask those leaders to update that information um, quarterly. If we feel like we can get it quarterly accurately, that's, that's, uh, uh, that's pretty good. We're pretty happy with that. Um, the other thing we do, we track the, the lapse givers, and we can track kids' attendance pretty easily. And so if you see, a, hey, these, this this child hasn't been in six weeks kind of a thing, we need to follow, make sure they're okay more right. than anything. And, and they might have gone somewhere, they might have moved, they might have switched churches, but uh, we'd like to close that loop and just have a good relationship there and, and learn if, if there's something they weren't happy with or something that went wrong. Mm-hmm. We really want, that information is really helpful to us and so we can uh, just create a better experience for people. So You could just send out a text message once a week to everyone. <laughs> Are you still involved in life group? Yeah, yeah. Reply with one or two? No. Uh, uh, so let's talk a little bit about the live stream services and uh, so that seems like a really interesting place where you could get a lot of data because you can see the people that are tuning in live you could see potentially with like the IP address the the place where they're they're tuning in from Um, and then with the archive you can see how many times people are viewing a specific message from the past. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about those two and what you look at there. Yeah, that's probably our newest, uh, kind of the newest area we're trying to, to mine data from, and Todd Ballman leads that and does, does a really good job with that. But we do all those things. So we know we know if someone's new. Uh, obviously, it's, it's more, we know the device is new in terms of what device mm-hmm. they're using. Uh, we know where they're from in terms of just city, and so we've been tracking that. And that helps us look at maybe multi-site spots in the future like you know we have a lot of a lot of people tuning in online that are a pretty good distance away in this location we might want to look at that kind of a thing um, okay. which is helpful and uh, and we do know how many people are watching each week the the actual live experience that happens on Sunday morning and throughout the week that's just archived on the website and, uh, and that number's grown uh, since we've launched it quite a bit and to be honest we wrestle with that is it is it people who are out of town who yeah. are trying to stay connected to the story, or is it people who uh, didn't come to church and just did it in their living room kind of a thing? And are we right. okay with that? Not okay with that? And yeah. and so far, we're, we we feel like the benefits outweigh the uh, maybe some of the negatives. And so, uh, but we have right now. I think last week there were 700 people online watching watching the service, which is significant. Yeah, and I guess it's a it's a challenge because it would be great if people had to log in before right. they viewed because you would get some some great uh, stats there, but then it would... It yeah, would, we've it talked would about that, actually. We've talked ability. about, hey, do we want them, maybe not even log in, but do we want to ask a question or two before they get to the experience? Any, any key information we want to know in terms of, right. hey, I'm, I'm online today because I'm out of town or I'm sick or, um, or I just didn't want to come or I'm, I'm brand new and checking out the church this way. We'd like to know that information, but trying to think of how do you do that Without it being such a hassle that man, I don't, I, I don't like logging into websites and that kind of stuff. Right. I just want to kind of go and do it. Right. So we want to, we want a good experience. At the same time, we'd love to get some more information out of there. So, I think the the times I've most streamed have been like if I was in Austin for the weekend right. and I'm driving back and I can just throw it on an iPad and, and listen to it while it's going. Uh, but it's, 
I've, I've actually tailored some of my trips to sort of be on the road at you know 10:45 when that when that live stream is. Do you guys have plans to expand that to some of the other service times at all? You know what? We we've, we've started a a Monday night, which is not during the service, but. Uh, it's moderated, facilitated on Monday night. I think they just started that last week. And okay. so uh, right now we're, we're still, we feel like that's still kind of an experiment mode a little bit. We've probably been doing it seriously for six, nine months and it's um, still trying to learn and understand what we know and we don't know what we don't know yet. And, uh, but I think we're getting a little clearer on how to, how to position that and use that. And uh, some churches have a channel where they just every so often they're, they're they're doing it again so mm -hmm. um, so don't have any definite plans for anything right now just trying to make that a better experience and then see if, if we need to duplicate that or not so what about the uh, the archived uh, sermons that you guys have do you look at ones and see you know 90% of the people watch it within five days or Hey, there's this spike of one that we did six months ago. What's going on there? You know, are there any insights? Yeah, we do. That? We have that, and um, typically is within that for, that week before there's another one out. People are they missed it for some reason. They want to go back and watch, or they're going to go to group and talk about it. Now, if it is a hot topic kind of a one, like back in the spring we did more of a cultural series where we talked about some key cultural issues. Um, those get shared a lot more and, and have a little bit more shelf life in terms of how, how long they're watched and, and who watches those. And mm -hmm. so um, that's typically based on the topic, though, and it's a special topic that okay. there's interest at a, at a broader level on. Uh, so tell me a little bit about analytics on your website. And I don't know how much you guys track that, but a lot of sites use things like Google Analytics that tell you where people are coming from, how long they, they stayed there. and there's even tools where you can see a heat map of your website and you can see who clicks on which part mm -hmm. of it most. So tell me some of the things that you track with. That. Yeah, that one's that one's more in our communications world, but they do uh, we do use Google Analytics and we and we use some Facebook stuff too in terms of tracking Facebook um, engagements and and shares and all those kinds of things. Um, and we have heat mapped it in the past. I don't know if we do that on a regular basis. I know when we were redoing our website, we heat mapped it to see where mm -hmm. people clicked and um, and new here was the number one place, and then the archive for the messages was number two, I think, in okay. terms of those were red. Uh, and, um, and it is interesting in, in trying to figure out the patterns of people and, and what that website is for. Is it for uh, new people looking at church specifically, or, or um, for the majority of it, or is it for people in our body to get resources and information. It's hard to right. do both those things well. And so, right. um, that is interesting. And we try to lean a little bit more of that being a, a guest front page and with some information for, for those who are here if they need it kind of thing. So. Okay. So we talked a little bit about consolidation of data across mediums um, and the challenge of that, but do you, see, uh, do you see that changing in the future for you guys, trying to stitch together, hey, this person, you know, typically comes from this IP and this is their Google Analytics stuff and this is their giving profile and this is, you know, any of that or is that just all too far away and too esoteric? You know what, it it, um, it just takes a lot of time and, and, and what do you do with that? So yeah. I, from a staffing perspective, I don't probably see us doing that um, anytime soon. Um, I do think we, we need to continue to do a better job with our information and, and getting that information to the right people for the right reasons. And um, and our, our and so I, I don't see that integration. The biggest thing we have a challenge with right now is just church database systems aren't 
aren't the strongest and so we've got right now we there's probably three or four key players right now we've got our financial information in one and everything else in the other and those things have to talk to each other and and if you change a campus they both have to change and so that's been a challenging thing and so our one of our goals is just to get all of our all of our data in one yeah. in one system which would be really nice and um, I'll tell you that has been a challenge for every single client I've worked with I mean trying to stitch together data from multiple systems or get people consolidated yeah. in and it's, it's tricky and uh, I think that's a big challenge for us and the other challenge is just our, our data is only good as the information we put in it and so with with so many different um, ministries and people putting in information to do that in, in a consistent way, in a uniform mm -hmm. way, and in a timely way is uh, just more of a a staffing struggle that we we constantly fight. And it's gotten right. better, but it's yeah. not where it needs to be. So that's yeah. a that's a tough thing. And that's also also incredibly common. Uh, so tell me, what what is the software that you actually use to track all of these metrics? We have a couple things. We have uh, our database kind of for more of the profile side of things is called Arena. So that's okay. our Arena database. And that's where we have the personal profiles, the uh, if you're on a team, if you're on a group, um, kids information, attendance trends, all those kinds of things. Uh, we also have a Shelby database and that's our finances. Shelby is our financial database. Uh, that's a little bit more, uh, only a few people can kind of get into that one, our finance team. And then I've got a couple tools that I use to kind of take all that information and, and make it prettier, <laughs> those kinds of things. So uh, Mortarstone is a financial analytics tool uh, that we use. And then to be honest, we still have a good old um, Excel, highly programmed Excel kind of system that you put information in one sheet and it pops out charts on three other sheets kind of a thing. And so we use that for some of the bigger like the quarterly updates where we share that with the executive team and you got charts right. and graphs and those kinds of things and so we use Excel for that still. So. And I'll say that is completely typical <laughs> of everyone I've worked with. You can have a multi-million dollar product but at the end of the day there will definitely be someone taking that data and putting it in Excel yeah. so they can do a chart on it. So we can see a picture. So yeah, And, and pictures are important. So. Happens. Uh, so I, I, I did a quick look online and I saw a site called Church Metrics which is like a free open, I don't know if it's open source, but it's a free tool, I think, provided by another church to track metrics. Have you guys ever looked at that? You know what curious. I did? I looked, I think Life Church provides it. And so, and it, it's great. It's just, um, it's hard once you're in systems and kind of in, you're kind of committed. Yeah, to try to, to try to change how that all works um, uh, would be tricky. And so, but, but they do, they, they do, Life Church does a really great job on, on tracking and, and analytics and, and all those kinds of things. And so I'm, I'm sure it's a great tool. I have looked into it just a little bit, but part of it's a, a, a time issue of like, man, we don't have time to transition. And uh, you know what? We're not broken right now. We just need to do it better, kind of more of an execution issue than a system issue for us right, right. now. So. Well, and it's a balance too, because like if you have, you know, a certain way to get information from your, your kid tracking system into what you've got now, if you've got to change it to a new system, right. then, then there's extra work there. Uh, so a couple of, a couple more questions before I let you go. Um, one is, uh, as far as the, uh, the time frame of data that you find useful, you know, using data over time for trends is, is helpful, but you can't really look at the donation pattern, I think, three years ago to now and find a lot of use because your membership has grown, the city's changed, and so I'm curious how, how much you look at external factors 
like the size of Plano and, and what's growing where, and then also um, your internal time frame. Like, what do you what do you find as a useful time frame to really evaluate? Yeah, we. I think the time frame, and we do look at trends and patterns and what's going on around us, and um, and that changes a lot. Our our, our yearly qualitative thing, our, the diversity of our church has grown tremendously over the last five years, and that's mm-hmm. a that's a product of our of our where we where we're at, and and we want that. We want our our church to reflect our culture where we're at, and so that's been an encouraging thing. But typically for us, and just how much people can absorb from the data side of things on a on a ministry staff. Mm-hmm. Um, Quarterly is really, I think we've found, is it's, a, it's a pretty good thing to do quarterly in terms of our executive team, our strategic team. We'll look at all that information quarterly and just try to, hey, we, this trend or that trend, about 90 days, which it's not a week or a couple weeks because there's always little blips or, or right. reasons for things. But uh, over a, a season, and, and again, we kind of know the spring season, the summer season, the fall season. Mm-hmm. Um, we look at that quarterly and, and look at trends, kind of previous trends. That's a, that seems like to be a helpful uh, rhythm for us in terms of just overall big numbers. Now, I look, I look at things more than that, obviously, mm-hmm. and try to um, look at the trends and, and new givers and those kinds of things. We do all that monthly. Um, okay. But as we sit down as an executive team and look at that, that's usually a quarterly exercise that we do. and. Uh, and try to come out with plans on that. Say, hey, we, this is something we need to watch, or this is something to celebrate. And and again, it's what story is that are the numbers trying to tell, and, and trying to listen to that and uh, um, and respond to that well. So yeah. All right. Last question, I think, is uh, is there a metric or something that you wish you were tracking right now, but you aren't, and and why? Yeah, I think the the big one we've struggled with the most is a, a big heart of our church is to be involved in our community, and so that community engagement in terms of how how often how much is those at chase oaks involved in our community um that number is a hard one to track and we we track our partnerships and 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 money given and those kinds of things but actual hours served in the community um, is one that we're actually looking to do here probably in april we're going to have a month where we're going to ask everyone to have an app and log in when they're serving and try to collect that and have some goals but that's not a number we've had a a lot of luck capturing and feeling good about and uh, because uh, we feel like a lot more is happening than we actually um, can report on and uh, and that's one that we've we've looked at a long time when we look at those numbers every quarter it's like that outreach number and, and our, the involvement in our community and how we care for our community those things are they're hard to get our arms around and that's one I definitely if you ask hey I, I need one that that would be one that we would definitely want is just the involvement of our people outside of the church in our community so okay all right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been really interesting learning about uh, all the things that you guys track, and uh, I think I'll look. Uh, I'll be on the lookout for the guys taking taking <laughs> counts at the at the services now. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for the time and, and, and for all the insights. Oh, thank you, Robert. Happy to do it. All right.